So that's where I want to pick up this week. If you have your Bible, please open it up to Luke chapter 2. Last week we began our discussion on Advent. How many of you guys love the Advent season? You know what Advent means? It means the arrival. Isn't that good? Advent means the arrival. The arrival of what? Better question is, the arrival of who? The arrival of the Messiah. The arrival of the Lord. The arrival of our Savior. The arrival of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And because Jesus has come to earth, we all have been given the privilege, like these shepherds, to see God. And that's the good news right there, isn't it? We've all been given the opportunity to see God. Everybody say, that's me. And today what I want to do is I want to read through Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue the same story we studied last week. And I really want to go after proving that point to you. That you're called to see God in the same way that the shepherds saw God. You guys ready to go after this? So if you've got your Bible, open it up. Luke chapter 2. Last week I read from verse 1 to verse 14. This week I'm going to read from verse 8 to verse 21. So uh, Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read from the ESV if you uh, got your app and you want to follow along with me. See here, I'll find it. For those of you that preach and teach, it's funny. I mean, I know where Luke is, but for those of you that preach and teach, isn't it funny when you ask to get a scripture and you can't find it yourself? You just feel your face getting hot and you're like... Luke chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, and Luke chapter 2. All right, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you beat me, say, I did. Yeah, okay. Verse 8 through 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I love that. That means that they were seeing something. They were looking at something. They were watching over their resource. They were in the midst of their mundane. They were doing their normal. They were doing their routine. Then verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, before we judge them, how many of you would acknowledge, if this happened to me, I would be scared too? Right? Absolutely. And the angel said to them, But fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All people. Verse 11. And unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. Notice they had seen their flocks. They were keeping watch over their flocks. They had seen something. But now the angels, they had seen them. And then the angels give them signs. They foretell what the shepherds will go and see. This is going to be a sign for you. You're going to find a baby that's wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Notice now they're ready to see something else. You guys following that? 
It's a whole narrative of, uh, of seeing. I'm ready to go see this thing that has been told to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and they saw something as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Let's pray right now together. Lord, we thank you so much for the invitation to see. Don't we, church? We thank you so much for the invitation to behold God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today over this church that you would activate us. I pray you would activate us to see. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Today, I'm going to talk to you from the subject of becoming a seer. I was expecting a more enthusiastic response. Um, I'm going to talk to you guys about becoming a seer, and I've given it a double title, The Shepherd's Response. We decided early on we're going to talk on week two about Advent, The Shepherd's Response. And then I added to it by saying, let's activate people to become seers. You guys like that? The word seer in the Old Testament is the same word as prophet. So when I say let's activate the house of God, let's activate the people of God to becoming seers, I am saying let's activate the people of God to become prophets. So you guys get a little bit more excited about that one, I see. (laughs) And today, prophets have, you know, in my mind, kind of become one of, one of two things. It's like, okay, we believe in the fivefold ministry. Prophets are people who prophesy. They give words of knowledge. They give words of wisdom. You know, they call random strangers out from their seat and they tell them things about themselves that they did not have any way of knowing. Undoubtedly, that does, that, that is prophetic. That is what it means to operate in a prophetic anointing. But I think that one of the good things about our generation is that we're uncovering a new way and revealing a new definition of what it could look like, including those other definitions, but what it could look like to truly be prophetic, to bear witness to truth, especially in an age of secularism that has become so comfortable with lies. You guys with me? And I see this uh, word being tossed around a lot. You know, well, I'm just being prophetic. And I think some people are just offended. (laughs) Right? Uh, Well, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going after becoming a prophet. Well, I would love to love you into your purpose in that sense because I believe we have some prophets in the house today. I believe we have some people who are anointed prophetically who are sitting in their seat today. I believe that there is a generation of prophets, a generation of people who will bear witness to truth in love and they will speak out things that need to be spoken so that we could turn a generation in the direction of truth. And how many of you guys know, truth is capital T, truth, whom is Jesus Christ. Amen. When we're turning people in the direction of truth, we're not just turning them in the direction of scripture. We're turning them in the direction of the person of Jesus. Let me get two good amens on that one. (laughs) 
No, but I really do think a lot of people, they want to do this. I want to do this. I don't know about you, but I think it would be good for us to do this because I think God is looking to enlist some seers. Now, in talking, uh, you know, about what we did last week, we talked about the shepherd's encounter. So let's recap that, recap that real quickly. So the shepherds, they're just doing their normal. They're routine, regular people. See, routine, regular people can become seers. Routine, normal, average, basic people can become prophets. You guys believe that? Yes. And that's what happens to these shepherds. They're just out doing their routine. They're doing their normal. They're not, they're not wealthy people. They have no prophetic pedigree. They're just simply out there watching their sheep. And then all of a sudden, boom, an angel shows up. This is the equivalent of you driving to work in your car, cup of coffee in hand, and boom, an angel is sitting in your front seat. Fear is a natural byproduct to supernatural encounter which is why 365 times in the Bible, Scripture teaches us to fear not. And that's exactly what the angels said. They said, fear not. I've not come to share any scary news with you. I've come to give you good, no- good, good news of great joy. And guess what? It is for all the people. Not just a select few. Not just, you know, these religious elites, but this good news of great joy that I've come to bring you is for, you guys help me preach this today, all the people. What is that good news? Advent is here. That's the good news. The arrival has happened. God has robed himself in flesh, become a man, and has visited humanity in the form of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The Messiah that redeems, that takes away the sin of the world, that delivers us from our shame, that causes us to become a brand new creation. Guys, this is the gospel. Advent is here. Now, the next question is, how does one respond to an encounter like this? When you have a crazy encounter, sure, fear may be a natural byproduct, but after the fear subsides and you get a word that says, fear not from the Lord, what do you do? What do you do? How do you respond? See, how you respond connects to how you steward the prophetic anointing, to how you steward the calling and the ministry of being a seer, how you activate and participate in the ministry of being a prophet. Hey, without an encounter, I don't think you can be prophetic. Without an encounter... With the living God, it's impossible to become a seer. Because seers have first seen God. Amen? And that's what's happening here in the scripture. That's what's happening uh, with these shepherds and their experience. And what the angels give them are specific instructions. They say, I want you to go to the, to the city of David. Notice that the shepherd said, oh, Bethlehem. Which, which, which tells me these shepherds may have been on the lookout themselves for the Messiah. Maybe they had heard. Maybe they, maybe they went to Sunday school when they were younger. And some teacher taught them about the coming Messiah. Maybe these shepherds were keeping watch by night, but they were thinking, when is that day going to come? We've heard about the promise. The angel shows up, said, in the city of David. They said, oh, I know where to go. And then the angel says, well, you're going to have some signs when you get to the city of David. Number one, you're going to find a baby. Number two, it's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. 
Those first two are not that abnormal. But number three, this one's going to be very weird. He's going to be in a horse trough. I don't know any mom that would want to give birth to a baby and then place him in a horse trough. It's an uncommon, weird, strange sign, but this is what the angel said that the shepherds would see. And I don't know about you guys, but in reading about Advent and seeing Jesus to be born again in my life, I have been inspired, I've been encouraged, I've been stirred up to see something, to become a seer, to become prophetic uh, all over again, to be an individual that doesn't just hear the good news, but beholds the face of God. Anybody else in here? This is why Advent is such a special time. This is why Advent is such a great season. It's because it's a time in which people behold the face of God afresh. It's when people get born again, again. It's when, it's when people welcome Jesus into their life afresh. It's when the arrival happens. And that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, the shepherds, <clears throat> something I noticed this week is that the shepherds, if you translate the word shepherd from the Latin, you know what it means? Pastor. Stop. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome, isn't it? So I really identified this week. I was like, I'm a shepherd, you know? I've had encounters. I've received the promise of seeing some signs. Now, I want to see God. Anybody else in here want to see God? I want to see God, man. From the first, honestly, from the first month that I got saved, I started praying this. God, I want to see you. God, I want to see you. I want to see you. God, if I don't do anything else with my life, I want to see you. I want to behold you. I've tried everything else, Lord. I've tried to be fulfilled. I've tried to have a fun life. I've tried to do everything that I could aside from search for you, looking for life. But now that I find you and you've redeemed me and saved me, then I am going to make my mandate beholding the face of God while I'm alive on this earth. I remember developing this motto. I said, I intend to find out what God might do with one life that's completely laid down to him. What could you do with my life, God, if I stopped saying no to you? You ever thought about that for a minute? What would your life be like if you stopped saying no to God? <clears throat> Here's the thing. It would get fun fast. It'd get adventurous real quick. Some Christians tell me, man, I'm just bored. No, you're not. You're just disobedient. You're right? Because when you yield to the Holy Spirit, man, God will take you on the adventure of a lifetime. He'll put you in situations on purpose to ensure that your dependency upon him stays intact. So I'm praying, God, I want to see you. When I first got saved, I used to pace around my bed at night reading through Exodus 33, reading the story of whenever Moses saw God. And I thought to myself, this can't be possible. This man under an inferior covenant saw God. I'm a New Testament believer. I don't know a lot of theology, but I know I live under a new covenant. So there's no way a superior blessing could be given to a man under an inferior covenant. If he saw your backside, Lord, I want to see your face. If all of your goodness passed before him, Lord, I expect all of your goodness to pass before me. And then I'd get real scared. And then I'd turn on all the lights and I'd turn on the TV and I'd turn up the music. I'm serious because I thought if God shows up, if he encounters me truly, I'm going to die. Honestly, that's what I thought. Because when you have supernatural encounters with God, we acknowledge the fact that we're small, he's big, we're frail, 
right? He's strong. I'm sinful. He's righteous. Doesn't matter how, you know, built up we've become in our faith. When you see the living God, you get humble real fast. See, when Christians become arrogant, it's revealing that it's been a while since their last encounter. Because encounters are so faithful to humble us. And so reading through this uh, text this week, I was like, God, I want to see you. I want to see you again. I think I want to see you. (laughs) Kind of freaked out. But, you know, the shepherds were too. But you know what? You strengthen them. You told them to fear not. Lord, I want to see you afresh. Let the arrival happen in my life. And then even, even as I thought of what it could be like to see God, I started asking myself, well, what does it even mean to see God? I mean, no doubt, like what Moses experienced, sure. No doubt, like what different people throughout Scripture experienced, sure. That's what theologians call theophanies. It's when man sees God. It's when God steps out of eternity into time and reveals himself to human flesh. That's called a theophany in theology. And for sure, that definitely is what it means to see God. How many of you guys want to have one of those experiences? Four people. Um, you know, how many of you guys want to have one of those experiences? That'd be awesome, right? How many of you guys, you know, your life would be different after that? Yeah. Hey, Jacob had a theophany. He walked different after that. See, after an encounter, you walk different. A lot of people say, I had an encounter, but I can't tell the difference. Dang. You know what I mean? So I'm like, what does it mean? What does it mean to see God? What does it really mean to see God? And uh, in my pursuit of that, I realized that the definition is bigger than a theophany. And you guys watch Avatar? You guys see that movie? Avatar. Wasn't that a good movie? That was awesome. There was a part in Avatar that just broke me to the core. You know what it was? When they said hello to each other. And I know that seems a little random, but did you guys notice how they say hi to one another? They say, I see you. Did you guys ever see that? Isn't that powerful? To greet, what if we started doing that? If we greet, I see you. Isn't that powerful? I think that's so powerful. I even noticed that uh, Zulu peoples do this to this day because the way they greet one another is Sobona. If anybody's Zulu in here and I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. Sobona, which means we see you. So when you, when you meet somebody, you say Sobona, and you're, what you're acknowledging is you're acknowledging their existence. You're acknowledging their existence beyond flesh and blood, and you're saying, I acknowledge your existence in that you are a real person with real feelings and real love and real fears. And when I say we see you, I don't just mean I see you. I, see all, I mean all of those who've come before me as well. Acknowledge your existence. We empower your existence. We dignify your humanity. You are seen. We behold you. We look at you. We recognize you. We see you. So I think we should replace hello. You know what I'm saying? Like, how powerful is that? We see you. And you know what the response is in Zulu? I am here. Isn't that powerful? Which means I'm present. I'm engaged. Which made me think, man, how many times have I robbed humanity from disengaging and disconnecting from who I really am? How many times has somebody attempted to see me and dignify me and I shied back out of fear and I disengaged and did not bring myself to the front, forefront. Does that make sense? But whenever we talk about seeing God, I really think that, you know, the Zulu peoples, they've actually captured something that's very important for us to understand, is that when we talk about seeing God, it's very similar, and that when we see God, we're acknowledging our interconnectedness. When we see God, we're acknowledging and we're testifying to the fact that 
He and I, God and you, we are intimately connected to one another. To see God is what it means to really know God. To know God, to be like, I know God. Yes, I know God. I know what he likes. I know what he dislikes. I know what he loves. You know, I know what gets on his nerves. Maybe you wouldn't think like that, but I can promise you guys, there are things that grieve, Paul said, the Holy Spirit. So we know that those things, we're aware of those things. We're not just sensitive to the spirit, but we are aware of the sensitivity of the spirit. We're intimately connected. We know God. That's what it means to see God, to know God. In the Greek, this word is genosko. Jesus uses it whenever he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. You guys remember that? That Greek word genosko means to intimately, experientially know it comes, it comes to us from the Hebrew word yada, which is used in the early Genesis when it said Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. You guys get the intimacy and the connection that God longs to have with you spirit to spirit? So when we talk about seeing God, we talk about being in, 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 very deeply interconnected. We're talking about knowing God for real, for real. And that is what Advent is all about. That was the invitation that the shepherd received so that they could intimately know God, so that they could see God, so that they could behold God in the face of Jesus Christ. And just as the shepherd saw God, we can all see God. Just as the shepherds recognized God in Jesus, we can all recognize God in Jesus. And not just because the angels told the shepherds, but because Jesus told us directly. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? It means to be somebody who's seen something. You ever see a courtroom drama? They never bring anybody to the stand to testify that hasn't seen something. That person is called a witness. They come up to the stand to testify. You, back, you know, back in, like, I guess, the old church where I grew up, whenever you'd share your testimony, they'd say, you, well, you're going to go witnessing. I'm going to go witness. I'm going to go testify. Well, it's, this, it's the same thing. You cannot be a witness if you've not seen something. And I know for us in our generation, we've heard so much. We're the most resourced generation ever. We've heard podcasts. We've watched YouTube sermons. Like we've read books. Everything is accessible and available to us with, a, you know, Amazon one click, right? But I think our generation is hungry to go beyond just hearing something. I think they're hungry to see something. Whenever Jesus gave this word in Acts chapter one to say, you're gonna be my witnesses, which interestingly enough translates out as martis, which is our word martyr. That changes a little bit, doesn't it? He said, you're going to be my witnesses. When they were all in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, it says they were in unity, and then they heard something. How many of you guys love hearing stuff? I love hearing stuff. I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing your testimonies. But you know, eventually, I want to see something for myself. So it went beyond just hearing the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It said that then cloven tongues as a fire appeared and set upon each of them, they saw something. Jesus guaranteed that we could all become witnesses. You know, I wanted to get a LeBron shirt. We are all witnesses, but I'm not a fan of LeBron because MJ's the goat. Hey, me and Jared go back and forth on this one. But... We can all become witnesses. We can all become seers. We can all be prophetic in that sense. 
But how? How do we become seers? And that's what I want to talk to you about in five points, and I'm going to be quick. But if you're taking notes, write them down, okay? How do we become seers? How do we become witnesses? Here's number one. Seek in haste. If you want to become prophetic, seek in haste. If you want to become a seer, seek in haste. If you want to behold truth, seek in haste. Luke chapter 2, verse 16 said that when the shepherds received the word from the angels and they went with haste to see God, I know it sounds practical, but to see God, you've got to seek God. You know, you, you seldom find what you're not looking for. And here's the, inversely, you often find what you are looking for. If you're seeking God, I promise you this, he's going to show himself to you because God wants to be found more than you want to search. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so the shepherds, man, they didn't wait a minute. They didn't delay not a second. It says that they sought him in haste. Right away, as soon as they received the message, they said, we are going to go and see the signs. We are going to go and see the Messiah. We are going to go and become seers. If you're going to be prophetic, if you're going to be a seer, then you've got to seek Jesus Christ with a sense of severity. There has to be urgency about it. You have to go about it with your fullness of heart, with your fullness of soul, with your fullness of strength, with your fullness of mind. To seek God and say, I must see God. I can't be satisfied sitting on the sideline, having only heard a testimony. I have to see God for myself. Far too long, we've outsourced our opportunity to be intimate to God with our leaders. You see what I'm saying? We've outsourced our invitation to be intimate with God to our leadership. You know what I'm saying? So back in the day, you know, God tells Moses, hey, bring the whole nation to see me. He tells the nation, they just said, no, we're good. Just go tell us what he says. The church is still doing the same thing today with their leaders. Hey, no, I'm good. I don't want to go up on the mountain. I'm afraid of what that's going to cost me. I'm afraid of confronting my disobedience, my sin. I'm afraid of scaling that thing and hearing from God directly. You just go and tell me what he says. You know, what ends up happening to people who send a man on their behalf to be intimate with God, they end up making idols. Right? Go on your own. Seek God in haste. Go for it. God, Jesus died so that you would have the invitation to see him for yourself, not just hear about him through someone else. Here's point two. A seeker becomes a seer. You're not going to become a seer until you start to become a seeker. Luke chapter 2 verse 16 says, and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Once again, it's a simple point, but if you're seeking God, I want to encourage you guys, expect to see God. Expect to see God show up in profound ways in your life. Expect divine miracles. Expect supernatural experiences. Expect prophetic dreams. Expect angelic visitations. Expect prophetic words. Expect things to happen that are unexplainable because so much of the scripture is supernatural. You're praying kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the kingdom of heaven comes and crashes into our space, don't you think there's gonna be some supernatural things take place? Seek and expect. Expect, God, I'm going to find you. I'm going to see you. Don't get too caught up in the principles. Expect the presence. 
Expect the presence. Receive encounters. Encounters are a natural byproduct of pursuit. If you're pursuing God right now and you don't feel like you've witnessed them, you don't feel like you've seen them, can I prophesy to you and say, this is the season in which you witness? This is the season in which you behold? This is the season in which you encounter? Don't let up, don't stop, keep going, keep moving in that direction. You will see him. A seeker always becomes a seer and that's a guarantee from God. Number three, a seer becomes a speaker. Luke 2 and 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying, they spoke. When you see something, it's natural to then begin to share something. You testify to what you have seen. You become a witness, Jesus says, to what you have seen. So oftentimes people tell me, I'm not qualified to preach the gospel. Oh, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not you know, called to give these sermons. I say, you got a testimony. A testimony is way more powerful than an argument. You know what I mean? Like sharing what you've seen is much more provoking than, you know, just presenting a script. I was just with the circuit riders this week, some young people, and, uh, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And they said, man, nobody, you know, man, nobody, nobody let me preach. Nobody let me speak. Nobody listens to me. You know what everybody respects? The prophetic anointing. It's true. The prophetic anointing is the great variable. If you've seen something, here it is. You're qualified to say something. I don't care if you're 4, 14. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. If you have a prophetic word for me, I want to hear it. I'm going to listen real quick. If you've seen God and you have something to say about that experience, I'm all ears. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Address me. I'm an open book. Oh, you're six? I don't care. If you're young and you're looking for an opportunity, here's the thing. Don't pursue the opportunity. Pursue seeing Jesus. What you will see there will transform you to such an extent that what you have to say will cut through the norm. It will cut through the culture. It will stand out amidst all the other things that are vying for your attention online. A true encounter is so much more potent than good marketing. If you want people to listen, you see something and have something worth sharing. It's not just another message. It's a testimony. And you're called to be a speaker. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 again, it says, But you will receive, when the, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is talking about preaching, speaking, sharing. And this all starts with seeing Jesus. But seeing Jesus always leads to sharing Jesus from Nashville to the nations. It's a byproduct of seeing, sharing, and a desire to share. Because once you've seen Jesus, you connect with his compassion for people who don't yet know him, who've not yet seen him, to see him as well. All right, here's, four, here's point four. Don't worry when people wonder. When you've seen something, um, you, you might be a little weird afterwards. It's the a, it's a truth. When you see something, it might be a little weird afterwards. It might be a little strange. It might be different. Might walk a little different. Might talk a little different. Might do things a little bit different. The person I was the day before I got saved was so radically to the person I became the day after I was saved. 
Was that like that for you guys? Like I dressed different. Everything about me changed. Like I was just, I was a new creation, the scripture says, right? And I remember one time I was seeking God and I had a pastor. He's actually a pastor here in Nashville. His name is John Ragsdale. He pastored the Hills Church. He's an amazing man of God. First person to pray pray and prophesy over me after I got saved. I'm pretty sure I went through deliverance when he was praying for me. And, you know, I was telling him about my heart to see God. And we were at a hotel room in Owensboro, Kentucky. And he grabbed me and he said, you're going to see God. And when you do, you're going to be like an alien. Which I know seems a little weird. But essentially what he was trying to say is like, like a refugee. You're going to be like a, you're just going to walk the world in a different way, man. Like you're not going to fit in anymore. It's like you're going to come from another planet. Like I just want you to be careful and I want you to be mindful. Like it's so worth it. But like after you see God, you're going to be so different. You just, you're not going to fit in. Don't worry when people wonder. Like all the prophets were persecuted because of what they had witnessed and what they testified to. Don't, don't worry when people wonder. And, I, you know, honestly, I had that encounter. And when I did, I was definitely weird. Undoubtedly, very, very weird. I used to just cry all the time. It's like, it's a funny experience you're having with somebody. Because you're like, okay, give me the word. And they just cry. You know? How you guys know tears are liquid prayers? Right? Sometimes all you got is all you, that's all you got. Hey, God says that's enough. You know, God says that's enough. And when, when, when people, when people hear you share what you've seen, they're going to wonder. Some of them are going to wonder if you're crazy, but then some of them are going to wonder about what God is actually doing for real, for real. And they're going to say to themselves, I want that too. What happened? What happened to you? What happened to you? What did, what, what did God say? What did God do? And they start to get stirred because they think to themselves, maybe that could happen to me too. Maybe I could have an experience like that. Maybe I could have a prophetic dream like that. Maybe I could get a prophetic word like that. Maybe something would shift in my life like that. That's what happened to Mary. It said Mary took these things and pondered them upon her heart. She treasured them in her heart. Maybe nobody else at the nativity scene even took the shepherd seriously. Maybe they thought, man, these guys are crazy. They smell funny. These guys just came out of the field. They're not qualified. They're not anointed. They're not good enough to prophesy to us about the Messiah. That's a priestly duty. What are these people doing? But Mary, yeah, how many of you guys, you have a word for somebody and they don't listen and it really ticks you off, right? Like that's always a bummer. You're like, man, you should listen to me, dude. I tried to help you. Or, you know, because maybe you try to bring a word of correction into their life. Right, which is prophetic. Maybe you try to, you know, steer them back in the direction of love, which is prophetic. Maybe you try to say, hey, man, come on. I really think you're going in the wrong way. I'd really like to help you. And they don't listen. Don't get married to people's response. Just be committed to your obedience. Some people are going to respond. Some people ain't going to respond. But notice, and this is, this is point five, is that the shepherds, Shepherds were a speaker second, but a worshiper first. And that's the thing about seers. For people who want to become prophetic, want to be prophet, hey, look, you're a worshiper first. 
Before you're a speaker, you're a worshiper. Before you open your mouth to speak, you're gonna close your mouth in silence to receive and to see God. So the shepherds, they didn't get get too married to people's response because how did they leave the situation? And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Once the shepherds had done what they had been directed to do, they returned to worship. They didn't sit around and say, man, I'm upset because that person didn't respond to me. Man, I'm a little bit bummed out because I got that prophetic word and nobody seemed to think that it was valid. They recognized that it wasn't about their ministry. It was about Advent the entire time. And so despite the fact of who doesn't respond to what you put out, what you say, what you post, what you preach, what you share, that you know you've heard from God yourself, their response doesn't matter. What matters most is your obedience. God is, in the, is the one who brings the fruit. We may sow, we may water. He's gonna be the one that brings the fruit. And this is why the shepherds can say, man, I know what this is all about. It's all about Jesus. I've become a seer, I've become prophetic, but even Jesus said, I don't want you to rejoice in the fact that the demons uh, submit to, to you in my name. Rejoice about the fact that your name is written in the book of life. You know, you know who rejoiced in the fact that the demons submitted to them in Jesus' name? Judas. Right? He did a lot of good things, but he didn't know God. That's why I said, hey, but Lord, we've cast out demons in your name. We ministered. He said, yeah, but you didn't know me. You didn't see me. You didn't see me. You didn't actually genosco. You didn't actually yada. You didn't actually have real experiential intimacy with me. You just repeated a bunch of stuff that you heard other preachers say. You just repeated a bunch of messages that you'd listened to on podcasts. You just repeated a bunch of things that you'd read the day before to try to impress people with your intellect. But really, it's not people don't need a parrot. People need a prophet. People need somebody who's going to see the face of God for themselves and say, this is what I saw. You don't necessarily have to agree with it. You don't necessarily have to rally around it. But my responsibility is not your response. My responsibility is my obedience and worship. So I turn it all back into praise. I say, oh, glorious you are, Lord. You're the son of God, Jesus. You are the Messiah. You are the amazing one. And in this, I have my delight. So I, and, you know, just as I'm closing, I feel like it's kind of a thing today where people, if they're, if they're prophetic, they have to be sad. And I, I, no, I'm serious. It's, I'm serious. But like, if you're returning it all back to God in worship, you notice sadness is not a fruit of the spirit, but joy is. Does that make sense? You don't have to be that way. When you take, you might be for a moment. I'm not saying you don't get upset. You don't get angry. You don't get sad. You don't get hurt. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you take it back to God in worship. So the prevalent element of your lifestyle is not depression, but it's joy. Does that make sense? I don't know. It was just extra. It seemed like it worked. So, guys, listen, I, I want to see something, man. How about you guys? So, so I'm over time, but I, I want to share this encounter with you real quick. I didn't do this first service, so if you double dip today, bless you. Um, so some of you may have heard it before, but like when, when Pastor John, when he said to me, man, God's going to give you that encounter. You're going to see God, and uh, you know what? You're going to be an alien on this earth. 
Like, I remember him looking at me, telling me that, and I just had tears in my eyes because I was like, I don't care. Because I want that so bad. I don't care. I don't care what people think about me. I want to see God for myself, man. And I was in a worship service in Austin, Texas, and uh, worship was over, but mine wasn't. And they shifted into taking the offering, and I was still standing in the altar. I didn't even know. I didn't even care. It, it meant nothing to me. I was just, I had my hands lifted up, had my eyes closed, my head was tilted up towards heaven, and I was seeing God, man. I was having an encounter with Jesus. I didn't care what they were doing. I was like, well, security will take me out, I guess. I mean, I had a, a faint thought, you know, but they knew me, so they knew I wasn't being too weird. And I was just worshiping, man. And I remember, this is the picture I got, that I was flying through the air, okay? This is a picture, all right? I'm using my prophetic imagination with you, okay? Is that good? Yes. I was flying through the air, and like I was looking through the clouds, man, and I could see all of these, these, these uh, harvest fields, these wheat fields. They were ripe. They were white. They were ready to be harvested. And the Lord spoke to me and showed me these are the nations of the earth. And I, I remember it was like in the vision, I saw that and then I looked up and then I saw these, like, this is gonna sound weird, but I saw these feet, man, and they were running like a mile a minute. They were going and I knew they were the feet of God. Is this too weird for you guys? Okay. So <laughs> like I'm at the altar and I'm doing this. <laughs> you know, people definitely thought I was weird, but I tell you, that's that way you get It's like, I was the one in the sermon when you're supposed to laugh, I'm crying. And then, like, when you're supposed to cry, I'm laughing. They're like, he's seen God. Just let him be, right? And I'm in the, I'm like, I'm trying to catch God. And, and here's the crazy thing. It's like, so, in the, in the vision, I was like, reached out, and I got him, finally. I got him by the ankle. And I sped up. And then I was like, I reached up. Got him by the thigh, you know? And then I just held on like this. So you can imagine the scene. They're taking up offering, and I'm in the front doing this. Crying. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, in, in the vision, and I'm just flying by, you know? And, dude, all of a sudden, God just stops. And then he looks directly at me. I didn't see his face like I see your face. It was just, I just saw blinding light. Here's what he said to me. What do you want? Now, I'm sure you you like you could go through your mind all the stuff you ask for right there, right? Because, dude, I, I laid hold of God, man. I know whatever I ask in faith, I'm about to receive, man. Like, I'm knocking the doors wide open. I'm like, dude, I got a hold of God. Like, I knew whatever I asked the Lord right now is, is what I'm going to get. I have full faith, full confidence, 100% surety. Like, the Lord wasn't asking me what I wanted. Like, hey, maybe your request might be too big. It's like, whatever you ask in my name, I'm about to give it to you. Now, you might, you might think uh, you asked for money. You might think you asked for a car, you know, new job, new house. I was single. A spouse would have been a good petition. You know, like, and I did. Obviously, the Lord showed up in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, whoa, 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the Lord said, what do you want? And the most natural thing came out of my heart. That's what I did. I said, I just want you. I was just looking for you. That's it. If I could have anything, I'd just, I'd just take you. And it was like, it was like right away. It was like right away. Just, it was like, he just like pulled me up. Dude, it was like, I don't know how to explain this. I, I think it's kind of weird. I'm sharing it. We're live streaming. Who knows who's watching, you know, but just, just right up, dude. Just heavenly experience. And I, I remember sitting at this big banqueting table at the Lord. I, I couldn't see. He was just like far away, but he was there and we were talking and, uh, and I was just like, this is awesome. Remember, I'm in the altar. They're now transitioning to sermon. And, 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 the, and the Lord says, eat your food, son. And then I look down, and there's this huge loaf of bread sitting there. And it's like on a big charger, you know. Stephen, you'd love this because it's like a big mid, mid, middle, medieval kind of table, you know. It's just awesome. And I know this is weird. But it was like in the vision, I started eating the food, but I could taste it in the natural. And the Lord said, you can always come back to this place, son. He said, your prayers, your prayers and your worship will bring you the distance. But you got to get the scripture. You got to get the word. You got to get the bread to sustain you, to stay. Worship prayer, scripture, Bible. This is the prophetic portion of people who are going to be seers in our generation. They're not going to leave the basics to try to figure something else out. God has given us a mandate to see him, and it's through the same thing. He's given us all throughout scripture that he gave the shepherd. Just simply behold, church. Just simply behold.